Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and body image. Today's guest is Jo Mosley. She's author of the book Stand Up Paddleboarding Great Britain, and she's also star of the film Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy. But what you also need to know about Jo is that she is a woman in her 50s who has been through an awful lot and yet has really found movement and exercise to to really help her find purpose and passion and joy in her 50s. And I think she is an incredibly inspiring person and I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. But before we do that, it is time for Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's Train Happy Moment comes from Jasmine and she messaged us to say, I just wanted to share my Train Happy Moment this week. The company I work for puts us on an axe throwing course. As someone who's never really enjoyed or been successful at any sports, I wasn't expecting much and I was so surprised and excited to find that I was actually pretty good at it. Two days of throwing axes has been such good exercise and I'm feeling strong and powerful. So great finding ways to move your body that are fun. This is one of my favorite train happy moments we've had. One of our favorite train happy troopers, Jasmine. This is awesome. This is what I love about this podcast. We have found so many different ways to move our bodies and axe throwing is a new one to me and I love it. So just goes to show all movement counts and you can find something that makes you feel good and that you enjoy. So Jasmine, thank you so much for sharing that with us. If you have a train happy moment you would like to share and be featured as train happy trooper of the week, please send us a text or voice note to our WhatsApp 075-999-27537. And hopefully we can feature you. Also, if you have any questions for me or for any future guests, please do send them into our WhatsApp. Make sure you're following our Instagram page at Train Happy Podcast 2. Awesome. Okay, enough from me. Let's hear from the truly lovely and brilliant and bold and brave Joe Mosley. Joe, welcome to the Train Happy podcast. We last saw each other in January of 2020, I think at my book launch. Absolutely at your book launch. I am so honoured to be here. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. How have you been? We've just been catching up on all that's been going on for you since. But yeah, tell me, how have you been? Really good. Um, Like everybody went through COVID um, and then wrote a book and also launched our film so yeah quite busy and really well quite thank busy. you quite busy just, <laughs> quite busy just a book and a film no yeah. big deal yeah and um, that's truly amazing and we I got the chance to watch the film so I want to definitely talk about that today because mm. it's 
super inspiring and you're super inspiring and oh, I gosh. think um I, I don't think you realize it necessarily oh, but thank you've you. done some really really special things so for people that don't know you uh I came to know you because I think you were just sharing a bit about fitness and the mm. outdoors and mm. um the environment and everything and your handle online for people that don't know is healthy happy 50 mm-hmm. and I was just really struck that there was someone in their 50s sharing all of this kind of stuff because we just don't see it enough. No, we don't. We don't. The statistics um, are really small. They're growing. They're absolutely growing. There are so many more women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s on Instagram in particular, but um, it's still quite small. So yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just really sharing the joy of it. And I guess that's also an unusual reason to share. I'm not sort of showing, look at me. I'm just trying to say, look how much fun it is. Which we love at Train Happy <laughs> because that is literally what everything is about and why yeah. I was gravitating towards you originally because that was exactly it. You were moving, you found a love of paddle boarding, which mm. we'll talk about, and you just loved it. And mm. I think you're, you are infectious and your love and joy of what you're doing is really infectious and you feel it just following in your you online. So I'm really excited for everyone to hear this conversation today because I, I really hope they come away feeling you know, the joy that you feel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope so too. <laughs> so talk to me, how did your fitness journey even begin? So this chapter, so to speak, started um, back in 2013, just after um, I had broken down in the supermarket. Um, so it started feeling uh, from a point of crying in Tesco supermarket in Skipton. Um, I was 48. I had two sons, two teenage sons at the time. Both my parents were going through chemotherapy. So my dad's had breast, bowel and skin cancer and my mum was being treated for lymphoma. And we were in the supermarket in Tesco's in Skipton in the biscuit aisle. And I just remember just dropping my bags, leaning against the chocolate, looking at the chocolate hobnobs and just bursting into tears and saying to my boys, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. I can't cope. This is too much. And what this was, was just life. I wasn't sleeping. I was anxious. I was nervous. I had tinnitus, itchy skin. My joints ate, my teeth ate, my gums ate. And basically I was going through the early stages of the perimenopause and I didn't realize because back in 2013, we didn't really talk about it. It was a bit hush hush. Now it's brilliant. There's Davina McCall, all sorts of women and men are writing about the menopause, but back then it was very different. And a friend said to me, um, so I told her because mum and dad were both going through chemo, I didn't want to tell them I was crying in supermarkets and I have cried in most, I have to admit. And so she said, how much exercise do you do? And I said, well, not a lot. I spent every weekend at the rugby pitch cheering my boys on, but nothing really for me. She gave me an old indoor rowing machine and she said, look, maybe it'll help you sleep. I've read somewhere that exercise helps you sleep. And I thought if I just get a good night's sleep, my whole world would be different. Um, So I started exercising. She gave me this really old rubbishy, um, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that, um, indoor rowing machine that was destined either for the charity shop or the tip. And, you know, it just stopped on the way at my house. And within a couple of weeks, I was sleeping. And when I sleep, my whole world, whole world, you know, opens up. It's so lovely, and it's I'm so much better. Um, and then, so that really started me on finding just that exercise was helping me. 
And then when mum died later that year, I then went on to row um, a million metres in a marathon for Macmillan Cancer and sort of set off that way. I think it's really interesting that and brilliant that your friend was like... I know. For the, you know, exercise can really help you sleep. Mm. And also you realising quite quickly the impact that that then had on your mental health overall. Mm. Mm. I mean, that's a really great way because so often you hear, especially around menopause, is like exercise is part of the weight management side of things and it's all phrased around that. Mm. But really what the way you got into it is so brilliant and, you know, so important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I move for sleep. <laughs> Yeah. Like my whole world revolves around my sleep patterns, but it is that that was the the first thing was sleep, and then when Mum died, it was grief, and mm. then it became purpose and joy. and And I say in the film, you know, for me, exercise growing up in the seventies was either to lose weight, and I took that really on board, or to be competitive. And I'm not competitive. I'm not really a competitive person. So the only reason one would exercise was to lose weight. And then I found in my 50s that it was about joy, yeah. you know, and it was about fun and it was about friendship and it was about sleep. And it also on the serious side, it was about coming through grief and anxiety. And so, yeah, you know, and I think one day you put a post up, you know, if, you, if, if exercise didn't in any way, shape or form change your body, would you still do it? And a resounding yes, because... I can sleep and I can be happy and I can look after myself. So yes, absolutely to all those things. If you don't mind talking about it more, I'd really love to hear about your experience of movement supporting you through your grief mm. because I think we don't talk about that enough. And one thing I like to talk about with my clients um, in the Train Happy Journal is this idea of how movement can help us really process our emotions. Mm. And in your film, you said how you felt this grief, this loss from multiple things, not just mm. the death of your mum, but also several miscarriages. Two, like two miscarriages. miscarriages, yeah. And you felt it in your bones. Yeah. And movement helped you just shake it out your bones and I just thought that was such a powerful visual description for me and I completely I just I, I felt that really resonated and I would just love to hear you talk more about that because I think we don't talk about grief enough and we don't talk about movement as a way to help us really feel and process and and all that stuff. Yeah, no, and I'm really happy to. So my mum died on the 21st of December, 2013, so just before Christmas. And um, I was offered bereavement counselling. Um, and six weeks into it, I said, we haven't talked about my mum yet. <laughs> and he said, no, we're going through a few layers here. And so, yeah, I had a lot of grief that had sunk. Like I said, it was in my bones. It was in the core of the bone marrow. So there was um, my two miscarriages and, you know, back then people didn't talk about miscarriage, you just got on with it. Mum dying, obviously, my divorce, which I hadn't really talked about. And, um, and it just was inside me sort of like I was happy, but there was inside me sadness. There was always a place of sadness and anxiety and you know, feeling that I'd failed in so many ways as a single mum and things like that. And I know I haven't, but that's how I felt. 
I've got great sons and, you know, I know I'm a good mum, but there was that sense of grief of, of, a, of a divorce. And so when I decided um, to do this challenge to row a million meters in a marathon, and actually it was two half marathons thrown in, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with um, getting fit. So it was on an indoor rowing machine. So 10 kilometers every other night for eight months. So it's from like uh, Edinburgh to Paris, apparently. <laughs> and it was that repetitive movement, literally going backwards and forwards on the rowing machine. And I was now in a gym because the rowing machine she'd given me had died. <laughs> and um, and it just felt like movement was bringing that grief out and allowing me to exhale it. My natural inclination when I get sad is to not move. Like I want to curl up. Mm-hmm. Like I knew when my marriage was ending, when um, I'd had the miscarriages, that I grief and anxiety roots me to the ground and I don't want to move. And there have been times in my life when I didn't want to move and I can see it so clearly. I didn't want to move from the, the fireplace to the kitchen it was like my legs wouldn't take me because I was just so scared of life and anxiety and, and, and grief. But somehow moving, and I heard someone say that depression doesn't like a moving target. And it was like moving just allowed me to break that anxiety. It was sort of like when you break ice, it was just like breaking it up. And and that was it, going backwards and forwards, night after night on this rowing machine, just helped me take that grief and exhale it, take it out of the bones. And I, even when I get sad now, I don't go to that place. Mm. I think it has really helped. So yeah, a lot of million meters is a lot, but it just helped me and it helped me process that grief. It it gave me time to think about mum. There were times I cried on the rowing machine um, and there was like four rowing machines and sometimes I'd walk into it. So like, um, the gym at the local leisure center, not like a fancy pants gym, just a really lovely, lovely, normal gym. And I'd walk in and people would look and say, there's Joe, we better move them on the rowing machine. And it wasn't that I was trying to be bossy. It was that that was such a special machine. And it just allowed me to, to take all that grief and turn it into something positive. We raised over 10,000 pounds for Macmillan Cancer support in her name. And yeah, it just allowed me to find peace with a lot of things, a lot of things that I hadn't dealt with. Because it also sounds like uh, what you were saying in terms of all the things that have built up over time and really you'd hit a, you know, things had accumulated and you hit the peak of things when you, you know, broke down in Tesco's. Yes. (laughs) That the other part of women who maybe get to their late 40s early 50s you know you're at that point of perimenopause it's an awful lot of life has happened Mm. and you know I'm not a mum, and I hope to be one day but I like I think also historically it's been very normalized that the parent the mother really sacrifices a lot of herself full stop Mm -hmm. for the sake of their children Mm -hmm. and that movement offered you an opportunity at that point in your life to reclaim time for you. Absolutely. And identity and purpose. Yeah. I found it interesting what you were saying before about the kind of purpose and the passion and the joy, because those are some of my questions I had for you today, because I think it's really incredible how from that point in your life, you know, that in 2013 to where you are today, having, you know, someone's made a film about you and you have 
written a book and you've done all these things that you've really found an identity, a passion, a purpose because of that dusty old rowing machine that was donated <laughs> to you, you know? I know. It's really I know. Um, been a huge it's a huge part of you. Do you recognize that now? Did you recognize that at the time? Has it just slowly snowballed? It's all snowballed. It's all been one step after another. And all, you get to one top of the hill and you think, oh, what's next? What, you know, what's, and, and when I paddleboarded across the country, that was a big dream to take me through a new chapter in my life when my youngest would be going off to university. And I didn't want to be that mum that, you know, rang the whole time and said, what are you having for your tea? Did get like that in lockdown um, a bit. And he's like, mum, I have nothing to tell you. <laughs> ring grandpa. So I'd ring my grand, my dad and he'd go, Joe, I have nothing to tell you. <laughs> nothing has happened in the last 24 hours. Um but yes, it's always just been the next chapter. What can I do? What can what can I bring to my life to help me get to the next chapter and to navigate it? And it's really funny because if I think back to what I was like as a little girl, she would look at me and like say, well, yeah, obviously you're throwing yourself in the sea. Obviously you're doing these things because that's what I was like as a little girl. Mm. I loved it. I've got a little picture of me sitting outside my dad's house. I'm in blue jeans with a blue coat and just kind of looking. And I think that could be me today. You know, I, we played in the sea. Um, I loved gymnastics. I went to trampolining um, and I would think of myself at the door frame in our house, I would climb like one leg on either side of the door frame and I'd be up there. And so a lot of what I did then I do now, it's just I took a really long detour and I didn't do them for a long time. And so now at almost 58, I'm just so grateful. You know, I'm so grateful that I get to do these things. You know, one of the big things I try and get people to do with movement is exactly what you've done and is really reconnect to that younger version of yourself. Mm. What did that young, what did the child like you who didn't have all these complicated feelings and all the layers that kind of mm. diet culture brings into movement and just life and everything kind of brings into it. How do you get back to that? How can I reconnect with that? And you know what comes up time and time again for people is often like the water Absolutely. and things like that. So. Let's talk about paddleboarding because you did paddleboard across the width of the UK yeah. from Liverpool, is it to Goul? Yes, Liverpool to Goul. Yeah, yeah, 162 miles. 162 miles. Yeah. That's incredible on a paddleboard. Yeah. And it's like an inflatable paddleboard as well. Yeah, it's an inflatable paddleboard. Um, she's called Grace after Grace Darling, the RNLI heroine. Um, so yeah, an inflatable paddleboard, 12 foot, uh, 2019. I was the first woman to do it. And it was just the most, somebody said, could you describe it? And I said, it was awful and amazing and wonderful and hard and beautiful and cold and wet and sunny and everything. It was all those things in 11 days. And yeah, it was just a joy, a joy. So why did you decide to do it in the first place? Because a film was made about that whole experience and mm. I was lucky enough to watch that film. But I want to know how that that even came about. So we had the rowing challenge where you mm. raised all that money for Macmillan and mm. then you got to a point where you found a love for paddleboarding and it was like, right, well, obviously I need to do some <laughs> epic challenge <laughs> and raise more money. Yeah, so I took my first paddleboarding lesson on the 24th of September, 2016. Um, and I'd hurt my knee earlier in the year. So I'd been on crutches, been in pain, took this paddleboarding lesson and just for the first time in months, I just looked out on Derwent Water in the Lake District 
And I thought to myself, I feel like a warrior, not a worrier. And worrying is my default position. And it's also hugely exacerbated by the menopause, the perimenopause. So I just felt amazing. I went home. I asked my family for a paddleboard for my 52nd birthday. So I was 51 at the time. And I had this bizarre idea that I was going to paddleboard from Leeds, from Liverpool to Leeds. So that's 128 miles. But I made a mistake. I told a few people and the response was, that sounds really boring. That sounds logistically complex. And get this tally, that sounds too difficult for a woman of your age. So what I should have said was like, yeah, whatever, mate. But what I did say was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. Because I'm not the most confident and I'm not the most confident in my ability. So I put the dream away. But then in 2009, so that was 2016, 2019, my youngest son was going off to uni. And I didn't want to be like, you know, Joey No Mates. And I want to have a big dream to pull me to the future. But also in the intervening period, a number of my girlfriends had died and only one of them had reached 50. So they were like late 40s, really beautiful, inspiring, interesting women. And um, I just thought that life is really short, really precious, and it can turn in an instant. And if you have a dream, go for it. So I pulled that little dream from the past um, out of, you know, the back drawer of my head, so to speak, and said, right, let's just do it. And this time I was going to raise money and pick up litter along the way. Firstly, I'm really sorry for the loss of your friends, I think. Yeah, thank it's, you. Uh, life throws us so many curveballs and it's just shit sometimes. It just is. Yeah. It? And yeah. And, and some of them were closer than others. Don't, you know, they weren't all from the same group. You know, one I'd known for many, many years and, and others were school, schoolgate mums, but they were the kind of women that if you met them in the street, you'd go, oh, I'm really glad I chatted to her. Mm -hmm. You know, she could have just told you what she did that morning, but vibrant women. And I thought, obviously I can't bring them back. There's nothing I can do, but I can somehow live my life, not in a big, you know, heroic way, but just in my own little life, make the most of it somehow to honour their memory. Mm. Mm. And also make a difference because you mentioned about the litter picking part mm. of it. And that's kind of a big part of the film as well is talking about, and I know something you're really passionate about is doing like beach cleans yeah. and helping the environment. And I would love to know more about that side of this challenge mm. and the work you're doing with that as well, because that's equally, how you say movement gave you so much purpose and things, but you're also really having real effective change in the world around you as well. Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, I have a little saying um, that I can't change the world, but I can change the little bit around me. So I never set out to like make massive changes, but I think if I can pick up litter for two minutes a day, show it on my you know stories, show it on my Twitter, then somebody else might do the same. I'm all about kind of little ripple effects. Um, and it is funny when people send me messages and say, Joe, I saw a poo bag and I thought of you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. <laughs> um, so yeah, so for me, because I'm so grateful, because movement and the sea particularly and the outdoors helps me so much, it's just my way of saying thank you. And it's not like doing anything massive. It's just literally when I go for a walk, pick up litter, you know, share it, know that it's not in the sea. And I think when you're paddleboarding, you can get to places other people can't get to. You can see a balloon, like I once saw a balloon in the sea and I thought I can take that and nobody else will see that. So how lucky am I, you know, that I can take that today. So yeah. And sometimes if I'm honest, like I was listening to a podcast of yours where um, the, um, the guest was talking about motivation 
And sometimes I'm like, oh, it's wet outside, but I haven't done my beach clean or my litter pick. So I'll just go for a little walk and pick up some litter and that gets me out, you know, and then I'll just think, oh, this is really nice. I'll go for a bit longer. So for me, it's it's just having that gratitude and thinking, well, if I can just make a tiny bit of difference um, just for the joy that it brings. So that was also a big part of the challenge of mm. this, this paddleboarding journey. And you really go on some you know highs and lows like you say over 11 days of of paddling how many miles 162 62 miles <laughs> on an inflatable paddleboard and there you are pumping it up every day as well mm. um and like you someone said why don't you just get an electric I know. pump and you're like I just this is how I'm doing it yeah. and I just <laughs> like, you make even more work for yourself but it's really beautiful how you really inspired community and people would join you along the way and yeah. you know there's a whole um there's friendships to be made there and yeah. you know that challenge really highlighted causes that were close to you showed what you were capable of physically mm. and me- emotionally I think that was the huge part of it but then also you had all these people around you so the film is called Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy. Mm. And I was really touched by the idea that kind of your hope for this challenge was partly to just prove to yourself that you are brave. Mm. Mm. And I thought to myself, you know, when in life do we, when in life do we prove to ourselves we're brave? You know, when do we actively say that? Because I think, I'm thinking, am I brave? And I've that's kind of really stayed with me. So did you feel more brave doing that challenge? And has that bravery stuck with you? Yeah, we always call it brave enough. So it's brave enough to take the next step, not brave, brave. Like I don't think I'm like super brave, super confident, but I'm brave enough to take that next step. So, you know, brave enough to pitch for a book, brave enough for us to, the filmmaker Frit and I to, in lockdown, create an online festival and say to people, come and watch our film. And they're like, what's the film about? Um, a middle-aged single mum who cries quite a lot picking up litter on the canals. Mm, okay. Um, you know, so we were brave enough to do it. So I'm always thinking, and as I say, right at the end of the film, we all have, I have, and I'm sure all of, ha- of us have situations where we're forced to be brave. Grief, something goes wrong in our life, Um you know, becoming a single mum was a time when I had to be brave. And then even more so when mum died, because she was such a part of the family. You know, she was, you could interchange mum and I sometimes, you know, her her parenting, her mothering was my mothering. Um, she was huge to my boys. And we had to be brave. We had to get on with it. But I'd never tested my bravery. I'd never said, I'd never put my head, my head above the parapet and said, I'm going to do it. Like you, you know, you, you launch your podcast, you write your books, you change the narrative around fitness. You could so easily have just continued in the work that you did, but you've changed it and you've, you know, you've changed things and you have to be brave to do that. So yeah, definitely you've been brave, Tally. Thank you. Um, definitely don't make me cry, but you have. <laughs> um, And so I just thought, yeah, I've never done something where I've said, I'm going to do this and see if I fail. Because I could, you know, maybe not have managed it. And I still would have learned a lot. But it was like putting my head above the parapet and saying, I'm going to do that. And so I did that with the film. And then I did it with the podcast. And then I did it with the book. Like, I'm going to write a book. And did I feel confident writing the book? No, so many times I didn't. So many sleepless nights. Could it, you know, would it be good enough? But um I just knew you have to be brave enough to take the first step and then the next step, just the next, next, next. That's all you have to do. Just keep chipping away. 
Mum's the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think that's really powerful advice to hear and really inspiring to just think, can I be brave enough just to do the next little thing? Because like we've seen with your story and where you are now, it's mm. it has been a snowball effect. It has really... You know, you're feeling the ripples of that, of, you know, all the little things you're doing to lead you. Um, and I'm, I'm, am I right in saying your book, considering you had many sleepless nights over your book, <laughs> it got nominated for an award? Yeah, yeah. So it was nominated for the William Hill Sports Awards. Um, and now it's shortlisted for the Great Outdoors magazine um, book of the year. So eight books. Come on. Two of them by women. And I think I'm the oldest woman, <laughs> oldest writer. So, yeah, it's doing really well. And... Um, yeah, let's but it's plug a lovely the name book. Of the book. Let's plug it. Thank you, thank you. It's called Stand Up Paddleboarding in Great Britain: Beautiful Places to Paddleboard in England, Scotland, and Wales. Quite a mouthful, and it's thirty beautiful places to paddleboard. And I paddleboard with lots of really wonderful people. So there's places, and also who I paddle bit paddle with, and what it means to them. And one of them, I have to tell you, I met through you. So Sarah Blues is the plus side paddler and she and I, we met, she'd seen you mention me on stories or something like that. She found me, we found each other and then I went to Dorset and paddled with her. So thank you. I appreciate that. She's in the book. And yeah, it's just, it's a lovely, lovely book and it's doing really, really well and I'm really proud of it. But yeah, I was very anxious about it before it came out. Which I completely get. A book is a terrifying prospect for anyone. Yeah. But like I said, it's been so well received, which I think is testament to your work. Oh, thank so you. Please sell me mm-hmm. and sell the listeners the virtues of paddleboarding. What is it about paddleboarding that you particularly love? Why do you do it? Okay, so I love the water. I love swimming in the water. Paddleboarding is like walking on water. It's an accessible sport. So you can have a paddleboard, blow it up on the side of the towpath. So in my book, I went to Regent's Canal. So not far from here, really beautiful. It's a full kind of body. So you use your whole body, great for your balance. Um, But so many people tell me it just helps them as they get on the water and they're moving through the water. 
that their problems just sort of float away. It doesn't solve their problems. I'm not pretending it does, but it helps them put put the problems into perspective. And one of the people I paddleboard with is called Craig. He's really high up in the fire and rescue service. Um, he sees lots of, you know, difficult things. And he always says that when the minute he gets on his paddleboard, you know, the problems just sort of sink to sink to the bottom of the river where he paddles. Um, so it's great for your mental health, great for your balance, great for your strength. You just feel and you're outside. You're outside in nature. You're by water. There's so much about blue health and blue mind. You, you're really um, told to keep your sort of eye on the horizon, engage your core. So that's all really good for you, all that strength. Um, yeah, and you sleep. I always sleep well afterwards. And also, it's really a lovely thing to do with friends. I paddle a lot on my own, but it's also lovely to do with friends. And one of the most loveliest things is you're, you're sort of, I'm just thinking about a place in Cornwall. I was with a friend, Steph. The sun was just setting and we were just paddling into the sunshine on the coast. And you just turn around and you sort of go, you're right. And she goes, I'm all right. You know, and you're lost in thought, but you're with somebody else and then doing it in groups of other people. And you have a shared experience and you can do it fast one day, slow another, canals, rivers, lakes. There's so much variety. Have I sold it to you? You have. I've, <laughs> I have tried it a little bit and I have loved it. I think I just need to be near some water and yeah. I, I do want to give it a go because I think you're right. There's so much ugh, just, you know, what they, like you said about nature and how important mm. it is for just perspective and grounding and relaxing the mind. Yeah. Um, I think is is so important. So for those who, like me, would like to get into paddleboarding, where do you where do you recommend we start? The first thing I would say is to get a lesson because there's lots of little tips that an instructor can give you. So um, just, you know, there's lots in the in my book of different places. If, if we're in London, you know, I went um, with Paddleboarding London in on Regent's Canal. So you can do it right in the city. You don't have to go to the coast. Have a lesson. Um, and that is the best start. They'll give you lots of tips for standing up and they'll give you safety information like taking a phone in a waterproof case that you hold on to you, not going out in offshore winds, dressing for the water, not for your air temperature. So they'll they'll cover lots of things. Obviously, my book would be a great first start because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went all around the country um, from the north of Scotland to the south of Cornwall. So yeah, um, but a, a a lesson with a qualified instructor is the best place to start. And do you think this is just a summer sport? We're obviously recording this going into the winter. Is it something that you think is more fair weathered suitable or do, so you, do you do it all year round? I do it all year round. Um, it's great in the summer. It's lovely. You know, you can maybe wear fewer clothes and things because you do have to think about the water temperature. It absolutely can be done through the autumn and winter. You just need to make sure you've got the right kit. And I talk about that again in the book and there's lots of information out there. But a cold day, a crisp cold day on the sea or the canal is just bliss or on the lake. You know, it's absolutely bliss. Take it. You're always advised to take some water, but, you know, turn it into tea or hot chocolate. Take a little bun with you. Just bliss. Just bliss. And you get all the vitamin D and all the, you know, all the stuff outdoors in winter when we need the light and it can we all do. get a bit sad. So, yeah, we do. I, I think that's it, especially with, I suppose we've had lockdowns and people mm. all over the world, no matter what country you were in, we all just were like walking, 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 walking. Yes. And I think walking is great yeah. and everything. But I also think paddle boarding is another option of like something you can do that you can kind of do it on your own. It has that mm. peacefulness, isn't isn't super, super strenuous. Mm. Um, I mean, like I said, 
please correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But it feels like something you can do that gets you outdoors, that yeah. feels a bit different, that perhaps, you know, perhaps if you, you know, walking is not always super comfortable for you, that this, yeah. this might be a, a, a nicer option. Yeah, yeah. And it can be really strenuous. Um, so, yeah, there's some people in the book who are subsurfers. So they're surfing with on a paddleboard, a friend of mine, Heather, who's incredible. Sam, who's a racer. So it can be super white water paddlers. Wow. I'm not any of those. <laughs> I'm your recreational. Um, but you can really do high adrenaline, high powered if you want. But you can also do really chilled or yoga or Pilates. Yes. You can, you know, I've seen these meditation. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really. You know, I've got a friend of mine, um, India. She was in the book in Kent. She, um, we did sup yoga and she was pregnant at the time, wow. um, which was lovely. So yeah, you can make it as hard or as gentle as you want. And I think that's, I think that's really important. And I think because paddleboarding is quite a relatively new sport, we're all writing the history of what it means to be a paddleboarder. And we don't have, well, you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way. As long as you're safe and as long as you're um, yeah, safe and everything's fine, you can do it exactly how you want. Safety always first, but but joy right up there. Oh, I feel so excited and inspired. Okay, Joe, we finish every episode by asking each guest what has been your most recent train happy moment so it was last week um i didn't have my paddleboard but um i had gone for a dog walk to look at the river where uh close by where i live and the flow was in you know not too much it had rained but it was fine so um i got in the water so quite chilly and um the flow meant that as i was swimming close to the inside um bank. Uh, the flow was going one way, um, but I was swimming, but I wasn't moving, so to speak. So I was swimming um, in the lovely, lovely, lovely cold water and it was all still autumnal. I wasn't getting anywhere. So it was like one of those infinity pools and it was just lovely and didn't stay long. You know, I'm really cautious, really careful. Um, and somebody walked past and said, are you having a good time? I said, I'm having the best time. I've got my toe float on. I can see the birds, I can hear the birds, I can see the leaves on the water. And it was just lovely. So I love being in the water or on the water. And then a few days later, I went to see my dad and went on the water. So yeah, anything just lovely. So talk to us about the cold water swimming. Is it generally, is that like something you specifically try and do a lot of? Because that's becoming increasingly more and more popular. I know my sister... Um, loves doing it so yeah. I just love to hear your yeah. thoughts on it because yeah. I think it's a lovely thing to do for your body and your mind once again it is so um obviously safety first as well but um I just do love it when my book came out I was getting really really anxious and I found that the quickest way before work that I could do was just to go and sit in the river <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just cuts out that anxiety really quickly. Obviously, I take all the right precautions. You know, you can hear I'm really safety conscious. Uh, all the right precautions about just going in gently, not staying too long. But what it does, it, it really helps my breath. It just is the quickest, fastest way that my breath, I just sort of, my friend laughs because she sees I stand there and then I gently lower myself in. Um, and it just just makes me breathe. And I know breath is, you know, super important just to calm my anxiety. So yeah, I really love it. I, I swim in the sea and I've done a few swims with my son, which is just 
amazing, both of them. Um, that's just so lovely. Um, they're not paddle boarders, but they, they do dip in the sea, um, the river, uh, and it just it just calms me. And one of the things I love to do is put my fins on, um, and then I'm sort of like treading water, but with my fins, so I'm not getting anywhere. But I'm looking up at you know the birds, and the and I can be really close to the shore, but just in a little world of my own. And I know a lot of people say that I live in a little world of my own anyway. <laughs> I'm always being um, teased that I live in this sort of rose spectacled you know world, and everything's all sunshine and roses, but. When I'm on the water, either on a paddleboard or, you know, swimming, it's like being in a little world of my own. And it's a really happy little place. I think everyone listening, Joe, would, would say with all the stuff that life has thrown at you, that the fact that you're able to find joy and yeah. peace and gratitude is actually beautiful. So don't let anyone take that away from you. I won't. I, I will. Absolutely not. Thank you. Joe, where can people find you? Where can can they watch this film? Because yes. um, I know it's an independent film. Yes. And also your book as well. Where can they watch the film? Oh, thank Get you. Your book, follow you. I think you're so you're so great. Oh, thank you. So the film is called Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy. It's made by Frit Tam of Passion Fruit Pictures. It's on Vimeo. So if you just put into Vimeo Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy, you can buy or rent it. So rent it for 48 hours or buy it. Um, the book is by Vertebrate Publishing and that's on Amazon and on their website, Adventure Books or Waterstone, Stanford, WH Smith, lots of independent bookshops. Um, my website is Joe Mosley, so J-O-M-O-S-E-L-E-Y.com. And I'm mainly on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook, but I'm trying to be more there and Twitter at Healthy Happy 50. That's Healthy Happy and then 5 So I'm 58 next month. So I, I've got two more years of being called Healthy Happy 50. I was thinking that. Are you going to change it to Healthy Happy 60? I might do, or maybe just Joe Mosley. I, do, I don't know. It's something I kind of think about. Then I look at it and think, oh, I just don't know. I'm so used to it now. You've got time to, you've got time to figure it oh, out. God. Two whole years, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. I think this is going to really resonate with a lot of people, and I think they're really going to appreciate you opening up and sharing your journey. So, thank you. Thank you so much. I've just, it's such an honor. I love your podcast. I learned so much, and thank you for just, yeah, all the work that you do in the world. But that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please do let us know on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. And we do want to hear from you. We want your questions. We want to hear your train happy moments. And we'd love to feature you as Train Happy Trooper of the Week. So remember, you can get in touch with us via our WhatsApp it is 07599927537. And whatever podcast platform you're choosing to listen to us on, please rate and review. It really helps the show and it really helps spread the train a happy message. And that is it for this week. I'll be back with a brand new episode for you next Monday. See you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.